You are listening to Overcomers Church International Podcast. Here at OCI, we are dedicated to our vision of building strong people and building strong churches. From wherever you are listening, we hope this message leaves you equipped and encouraged. I've been on a track, and it's, we got on a different track for a while, and now I want to come back and I want to talk about healing. The Lord has just basically told me to teach on healing for this season. And so I, I had been ministering on, and I spent about three weeks on it about six weeks ago, uh, just talking about the fact that, that, the, that God wants people to be healed. And that's a revelation to some people, to a lot of people, is they still think that God's putting sickness and rotten stuff on you. And uh, that's not what the Bible teaches and that's not what Jesus came to produce in our life. And so God's on our side. He wants us to be blessed. He wants us to be healed. He wants the good stuff to come into our life. And so we have to have that revelation. But the next thing, and these are like fundamentals for physical healing. And we're going to have a time at the end of the service today where we're going to have, the, we have an altar team that's going to come up and they're going to lay hands on you and pray for you. And we're going to see changes happen in your body. And we've already been seeing people healed. We're going to see more people healed. We've been seeing people healed for a lot of years. But I just believe we're going to come into greater revelation today, and we're going to see greater manifestation, because manifestation is directly tied to revelation. It's not tied to information, it's tied to revelation, because when revelation revealed to you, a revelation to you, it's that describe um, the word word in the New Testament. One is logos, and one is rhema, and very simply put, logos uh, largely describes the written word of God. And I love Logos. I love the written word of God. We would not be here if we didn't have the written word of God. Amen? But Rhema is when the Lord reveals a particular Logos to you. So it's kind of like you can have a whole keyboard. You know, if you had a piano sitting here, you could have a whole, a whole piano. And if you took and you pushed one note on that piano, it's where God will just ring your bell and you go, oh my gosh, I've never seen this before. That's what a rhema word is to where it comes alive on the inside of you. And when we talk about the word of God, that's what we're after, not just information, but revelation to where the Holy Spirit himself brings things alive out of the word of God. You know, we're not supposed to read the word with our physical brains. Well, you are supposed to use your physical brains. Amen. I've met some people and I thought, I don't think they use their brain very much, but you're supposed to use your physical brain, but you're not only supposed to use your, your physical brain. You're supposed to open your heart up and you're supposed to communicate with the Holy Spirit. This is a spiritual book. It's impossible for you you can be Albert Einstein. Well, not really because there's only one and he's dead. But you could be equivalent to that as far as intelligence. And you are not intelligent enough to understand this book. This is why you can have some of the most simple, plain people that will get the best results. They'll see more people healed, more people saved, more great stuff happen. They reach more people. And it's because they have revelation and not just information. How many of y'all know that we need to have some revelation? Say, I'm after revelation in here today. Revelation that will change my life. So let's turn to Ephesians chapter 1, and I'm going to give you some. Ephesians chapter 1, one of my favorite passages in the whole Bible, definitely my favorite book in the entire Bible, and I love this. And so I just want to talk to you about this particular fundamental of healing, and that is, is that God has already healed us. He's already healed us. And, you know, I was in a meeting one time. And I heard this guy, he stood up and he said, he said, God's not doing miracles today. 
And I mean, you could have just, I mean, you could have cut the, the tension in the air with a knife. And he said, and it's because he's already done them. <laughs> and he was making the point. Now, I, I'm not against saying God does miracles today. Don't catch me wrong. But he was making a point that you're not coming to the Lord saying, God, please do. We come to him and realize that he's already done. So when we come uh, into a situation that we need manifestation, it's based on our revelation. When we come into a situation that we need manifestation, it's based on our revelation. That actually just came to me. That was pretty good. You could put that on a T-shirt or something and give me royalties for it. But, so but we have to know that when we come into a situation that we're not trying to gain a victory, but we are coming from victory. Totally different mindset. And when you're talking about physical healing, and this is challenging for a lot of people, even people that believe that God wants them to be healed. This is challenging for a lot of people because they see the problem in front of them and they think that they have to conquer something. But when you get the understanding that Jesus has already conquered it and now we're standing with him in victory, all, we're, all our job is is to enforce the victory that we now have in him. And so we don't have to get God to move. We simply have to cooperate with the movement that he's already done on the cross. That's, you know what? That takes, a huge, that takes a huge load off. And if you understand this and really understand it, it'll change the way you pray. You won't go to the Lord and say, God, please, you, Lord, you see, you see this sickness or you see this person is dealing with this problem or you, whatever it is. And, my, you know, my mother's hurting or whatever. And you won't go to the Lord almost many times as if God doesn't care. And a lot of people, they think that. And because if you think that God has to move and you're praying for him to move and then he doesn't move, you'll eventually revert back to this mindset of, I guess God just doesn't care about me because he won't move on my behalf. But what that's doing is that that's taking the authority and the power that's rightly, rightly been given to us and saying, no, God, that's all on you. When indeed, when Jesus left, right before he left, he said, you go into all the world and preach the gospel. You lay hands on the sick and you see him recover. If any of you is sick, let him come to the, to the elders of the church. They can anoint him with oil and the prayer of faith will save the sick. It's been delegated to people. God's delegated his authority to people. Amen. And Jesus really was the perfect model of what we are supposed to do, which is take the reality of the kingdom and enforce it here on the earth. You know, when Jesus prayed, he said, it actually really wasn't the Lord's prayer. It really, he was modeling what was supposed to be our prayer. And when he was saying, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He was specifically saying that whatever is true in heaven, you should believe God, you should pray that it will be done here on this earth, that it will manifest here on this earth. Because the reality is, is that the fullness of heaven already lives on the inside of you. Hold your place there in Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to come back to that. Let me show you this in Colossians chapter 2. I love this Colossians chapter 2. And we're going to go to verse, well, let's go to verse 6 and read this whole section here. Colossians 2, 6 through 10. Colossians 2, 6 through 10. And it says, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Let me ask you something. How did you receive Christ Jesus the Lord? Did you 
come to him and say, Lord, I beg you, please save me. Did the person that led the Lord, led you to the Lord, say, come on, let's go and pray and see if God will save you. If somebody did that to you, then they led you to the Lord very poorly. (laughs) But no, they didn't do that. Why? Because it's already known that God has already saved people. He already died on the cross. He already paid the price. He rose from the dead. It's finished. And when Jesus said, it is finished, he was saying that the work that needed to be done for God's people to live in fullness is already finished. It's already accomplished. There isn't any more work that has to be done in order for all of the reality of heaven to freely be given to us and for us to operate and walk in. So it says, as you have received Christ Jesus, so in like manner, the same way you receive the Lord when you got born again, that's how you walk in him. And so we've got the fullness living on the inside of us, inside of our spirit, man, because we're three parts, right? A spirit, soul, and a body, and the fullness lives on the inside of us. So the goal is, is to get all of the fullness inside out. Because when you got saved, you had every single part of God come to live on the inside of you. Let me ask you this. When Jesus came to live inside of you, did he leave any of his attributes out? Did he come in and, 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 and live inside of you and say, well, I'm actually going to leave the healing attribute out. I'm going to leave the prosperity thing, the whole thing about you know, being blessed and blessing people. I'm going to leave that out, and they're not going to have any access. No, he, he, the fullness of him came to live on the inside of us. I'm going to read that verse here in just a moment. So as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, which is what? By faith. We receive the Lord by grace through faith. Grace was given, faith responds. So we, we, when we prayed to receive the Lord, we got the full package. We got the full deal. You're actually not lacking. You and I are not lacking anything, anything concerning the kingdom of heaven at all. We don't have to go to the Lord. We should not go to the Lord and say, Lord, please do this. Lord, please give me this. Lord, You know, I haven't prayed for money. I've, I haven't asked the Lord for money, and I can't tell you how long. It's been years probably 12 to 15 years at least since I asked the Lord. I'll say 15 years safely since I said, Lord, I need money. Please give me money. When I, when I have a financial lack, you know what I do? Is I go to the Lord and I say, Father, I thank you that, all, that everything that you are, who you are, your person, your richness, your wealth, the person of Jesus, your spirit living on the inside of me truly has all of the riches that heaven has. And so I have no lack. You know what that is? That's coming from a place of victory and not trying to go and get a victory. I say, Father, I thank you that I have no lack, that you're my dad and you own a cattle on a thousand hills, and, and that you'll meet all of my needs according to your riches and, uh, riches and glory. You know, that verse, however you, however you say that verse. Anyways, I come from a place of already standing in victory realizing that all of heaven's potential, not just potential, but the reality of heaven lives inside of me. If we get that, we will walk around in this life completely different. And so when I need a financial increase, you know what I do? I go and I take the authority that's given to me, and I might ask the Lord, I need some wisdom here. Give me some wisdom. Help me understand this. Help my mind get in alignment with, with what's true on the inside of me, with what's true about what you say about me. But I'll just go and I'll start speaking to this situation. I will literally speak to my, I don't carry a checkbook around, but you know, I'll speak to my bank account. I'll speak to my wallet. Back when I had a business, I used to command money to come in. I know I've shared this before. Liz is my witness. We'd have no work. And I'd say, all right, we're going to come into agreement. In Jesus' name, money come, work come, business come. And with, 
within hours. Sometimes I would be so flooded with work, I'd say, all right, Jesus, we've had, a, we've had enough of this for the moment. I can't, can't, I can't handle what's, what's happening right now. But it wasn't me going and saying, Lord, will you pl- I need, I'm desperate here. Will you please help me? It was already coming from a position of victory that I have, that I stand, that I walk in, in Christ. And it's a matter of enforcing that victory that he's given us. But you can't enforce something of your faith becomes effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. You know, the only reason that I can acknowledge that Liz is sitting right there is because she exists. You know how I can, how, how I can acknowledge that she's in the room? Because she's in the room. I'm deep, I know, I know. But that's, that's how we can acknowledge what's already in us in Christ is because it's there in existence. See, a lot of times when people pray and they pray in faith, they wouldn't say it like this, but this is their mentality. They would take a verse like this and say, as I've received Christ Jesus the Lord, I'm going to walk in him, which is by grace through faith. Jesus poured it out, and by faith I'm going to receive it. And they'll say, take healing, for example. They'll, they'll take healing, and they'll say, I am healed. I thank you, Jesus, I'm healed. I just proclaim healing. I just profess healing, and, and I speak healing, and I am healed. And they do that until they wear themselves out. And I've seen a lot of people do this. And really what they're doing, they're not saying it, but really what they're doing is they're saying something that is true, and they'll say it, they believe if they say it long enough, that it will actually become a reality. And that's a wrong concept of faith. Faith is not saying something so that it will become a reality. Faith is acknowledging that something is already in existence. You just can't see it with your physical eyes, but you know, according to the word of God, that it's already in existence. So praying and saying, I am healed, I am healed, and confessing, that's to change you. That's not to change God. God's already fully convinced of what he's given us. He doesn't need to be any more convinced. He was there whenever Jesus got the stripes on his back. He was there whenever he became poor. So that through his poverty, we might be made rich. He was there when he bled eight times leading up to the cross. He was there when he was buried. He was there when he was risen. And now he's there with him, with Jesus seated next to him on the throne. He is fully convinced of the finished work of the cross and the fact that it's been freely and completely given to us. We're lacking nothing. So when we're praying for something, it's not to convince God or so that if we say it long enough, it will become so. When we're praying, we're praying to change our hearts to really fully agree with what God has already provided for us. And when we do that, that's when manifestation comes. And manifestation is the making known or making a a, a reality in the natural what is already true in the spirit. Because see, when God said, and Abraham, how many of y'all know is that Abraham is our example of faith? I'll say one of the greatest examples of faith in the word. And when God pulled Abram, called Abram, and he pulled him out from amongst his family, and he said, listen here, Abram, he said, I am going to bless you, and I'm going to make you a a blessing, and through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. But then what did he do? He went and changed his name from Abram to Abraham. And we do not understand this in our culture at all. Because when we go up and we say, you know, you know, my name's, you know, my name's Liz, my name's Kent, my name's Sherry, my name's Dale, whatever your name is, that's just how people identify us. But back in the day, 
When you said your name, you were saying what was true about you. And Abraham means a father of many nations. And do you know that Abraham was professing for years out of his mouth, I am Abraham. In essence, I am a father of many nations. He professed that for years before he actually even had a physical son. So did it become true when Isaac was born or was it true when God called him Abraham? It was true when God called him Abraham. It was already true in the spirit. Now, there was some timing and some different things that were involved with that. Now, and some people, I, I hear this oftentimes, and I, I don't want to steal my thunder for what I'm going to minister in the coming weeks about our authority, but a lot of times people will say, you know, they'll pray and they'll go, it's just in God's timing. There are some things that are in God's timing. Healing is not one of them. Healing is in our timing. If you're saying it's in God's timing, you're saying he's the one that has control over it. When indeed he's placed the authority in us and with us to take his name and what he did on the cross and release healing into every situation. That won't preach very well in most churches. It should preach well, but the body of Christ has a long ways to come yet. When you... And let me, continue, let me continue reading this here because I got off preaching on something and I didn't mean to, but it was really all good and fits in with where I'm going here. It says in verse 7, we're back in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 7, it says, Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. You know what I think about being thankful is you're thankful for things that are already in existence. I thank God for healing. My body is dealing at the moment with a physical, but most people They'll pray and say, Lord, please heal me. And then if they get healed, they'll see who's aware of what they already have is thankful. If I came up and gave you the keys to my, well, I'll go better. If I came up and gave you keys to, you know, a brand new Ford F-250 or whatever truck or car you like. And I handed you the keys to that. You would say thank you, wouldn't you? Amen. Why? Because you received it. You received it, right? See, when we see that we've already been given the fullness of what God has, when it's already been given, we'll come to him and we'll say, thank you, Jesus, that I am healed. I know that this obstacle is here right now, but through you and through your blood and through the authority given to me and through the promise of the fullness that you've given me, that you've placed on the inside of me, I thank you that what's inside of me is more real than what I'm seeing with my eyes. And the reality, reality on the inside is going to be the thing that wins out. It says, Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tra tradition of men, according to the basic principle of the world, and not according to Christ. There's a lot I could say about this, but look at verse 9. This is where I wanted to get. For in him, everybody say in him, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. This is speaking of Jesus. Everything, all of the fullness of the Godhead dwells in Jesus. And it says, you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. You and I are complete in him. If you're complete, that means that there isn't any lack. If it's complete, that means it's finished. If you ever run a race and you get to the end, you wouldn't say, I still have a race to run. You would say the race is completed. It's done. It's been fulfilled. And praise God, Jesus ran a race, and Jesus completed it, and then he picked us 
Way back at mile marker one, he ran 23 point whatever miles to a full marathon, and we didn't make it past the mile. And the reality is, is he carried us all the way to the finish line, and we got a gold medal the same time that he did, even though we didn't do it. That's why it's a grace thing. Grace is the power that releases what you need in your life. Believing it is what causes it to manifest. And it says, and you are complete in him who is the head over of all principality and power. So if we are complete in him and he is in us, that means our completeness is in him and his completeness is in us because he lives inside of us. That's pretty really tight package there. Amen. That's a good thing. And it says that he's the head of all principality and power. You know where sickness comes from? It comes from the devil. It comes from the enemy. It does not come from God. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the father of lights, comes down from the Lord. All the good stuff comes from God. All the bad stuff comes from the enemy. You know, I hate religion because religion has messed us up for so long. I mean, God is, the gospel is so simple. It is the most simple thing in the entire world. But we've had to weed through a lot of religious ideology to get to the simple, basic, true gospel. God is good and the devil is bad. Let's go home. We've got it all figured out now. If you could just live in that reality that God is good and the devil is bad. And furthermore, all of the good stuff that you need to work in your life, it's already been freely given to you by Christ Jesus. You don't have to ask God to give it. He's already, he can't give or love you any more than he loves you and has freely given you all things. You know, if he who spared his own son, and he did, how will he not with him freely give us all, all things? Where's that at? Romans chapter 8, I believe. If he didn't spare his own son, why would he not freely give us all things? I mean, just, just imagine God had his son die. This was his son. You ever had a thought about losing one of your children? You can't, and some, and some have. And it's just an unbearable thought. And praise God for grace for those people that have had to go through that and make it to the other side. But that's a really difficult, God, difficult thought. And Jesus was God's son. He gave his son. It wasn't an accidental death or something like that. He gave his son to die and pay the price for us. And praise God, he rose from the dead. To think that God would cause his son to die for us and then say, well, actually, you know, I don't think I really want to heal you or bless you. It's like, wait a second. He already paid the greatest thing. He already did the, the highest thing. What's healing down here? It's down here compared to the life of Christ, compared to the life of Jesus. We should never believe that God doesn't want us to have all of the stuff because he gave his life. Greater love has no man than he laid down his life. So we should never question whether God wants us to have it. Amen. And furthermore, when we understand that he's already given, we will come to him boldly and say, and it's not, and I've had people say, well, you think you can just command God? No, you can't command God to do anything. If you think you can command God, you're a fool. Maybe Moses and Abraham could semi-command God through their intercession and some other ones in the Old Testament, but God's already made his mind up. It's not commanding God. It's commanding the power that's in you to be released into the situation so that it changes. So go back in Ephesians. Y'all getting something out of this? This is I got the fullness of God in me 101. So we're coming from a place that he has already healed us. Now I want to read a few verses here and then I want to go back and read a couple other verses to help really tie this all together. When Paul was praying, and you can see this in his prayers, he was always praying 
And just hang with me for a couple more minutes. You need the meat and potatoes today. You know, the Lord spoke to me and gave me, gave me a really good analogy about what it's like walking with him. And we're in covenant with the Lord, and I'm in covenant with my wife. And you know that I long for the times when we get to go on vacation together. I love that. I love just going and being together and sitting on the beach or climbing a mountain or whatever it is that we want to do. But you know what I've come to learn? I also love going to the store with her and buying food to fill us up every day so that we can continue to live. You just got to learn to be, you got to learn to love to be with Jesus no matter what it is that you're doing. Whether you're in a service that's like a total uh, blowout, and I mean just like it was last week, or you have to endure me teaching because the Lord says you need to teach. And I'm only kidding. I'm just looking for a few smiles. I know I'm the most amazing teacher you ever heard. So, all right. So Ephesians chapter 1. And I only said that jokingly. I'm, I'm kidding. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 15. It says, therefore, and I want you to see this, that Paul was always trying to get people to see and have their eyes opened up to the reality of what was already true. His prayer language was different even than Jesus because the new covenant didn't start. There's some argument about this either until the ascension of during one of those times is when the new covenant officially came into to effect. I say that it was probably when he died because that's what creates covenant is through blood. But anyways, the new the principles that have been given to us at some point came into effect during that whole process. And even Jesus himself didn't pray like Paul prayed. Why? Because Jesus, this is, this is hard for some people to understand, but Jesus was an Old Testament believer. So he was limited to certain ways of doing things under the Old Testament. And if he was limited, he did a pretty good job under the limitations. Amen. Jesus was awesome. And really, he, it was a transformation from the old to the new. So I don't want to get off on all that right now and take too long to explain it all. But Jesus, even Jesus was under, under different rules, if you will. But when the covenant was cut and made and it was done, all of a sudden we entered into a new way, a new way of God relating to us. A new way of accessing all of what heaven has to offer. Because Jesus told his disciples, he said, he said the Holy Spirit has been with you but soon he will be in you. There had never been a time up until the day of Pentecost where the Spirit of God had consistently lived inside of people. The buildings have been thrown to the side, and now he has made our bodies, he's made us the temple of the Holy Spirit. Oh, my gosh. So when Paul was praying, I'm trying to paint a picture. When he was praying, he was trying to get them to see what was already a reality and that their eyes would be opened up to see what they already had. Here in verse 15 of Ephesians chapter 1, it says, Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. How did he pray for them? Oh, Jesus, please do something great. No. He said that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance somewhere out in the heavenlies that hopefully you can get a hold of one day that will help. No, it says that you may know what are the hope, what are the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. 
He was saying, you've already got it all. I pray that your eyes are opened up to it. Let's go back and look in verse 1, excuse me, verse 3 of chapter 1. So just jump back a few verses. It says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. He's already done it. It's a done deal. He can't bless us anymore in any way than what he already has. Man, that's powerful. I just threw a bucket of water on you. It's refreshing. I just wanted to soak in for a moment. Because, see, this, this literally changes how we approach things. It should change our expectation, but it definitely should change the way that we pray. There are things that, I've, that I will pray, like wisdom. I'll say, God, give me wisdom. And really, actually, when I'm praying that, I'm saying, Lord, Help it communicate it from what you've placed on the inside of me to the outside. Because the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. Is he wise? (laughs) You're not lacking wisdom. You're lacking the manifestation of wisdom. The wise one lives inside of you. Oftentimes we'll pray and we'll say, Lord, just give this person peace. And I think the Lord goes, okay, let me interpret that. Okay, I've already given you peace. You mean you want me to minister what I've placed inside of you outwardly? No problem. I'm a good God. I love you. But technically, I've already given it to you. I don't ask the Lord for peace anymore. I, there might be a few times I've said it. Uh, maybe. But generally speaking, I don't ask the Lord for peace. I don't ask him for joy. The fruit of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Do you know that people pray and ask for those things all the time? All the time. Why would you pray and ask for something that God has already given you? Lord, please just help me have self-control. The Lord says, no, that's already a fruit of the Spirit inside of your born-again spirit. Just take the word, renew your mind, and you'll start acting that way. Lord, please give me peace in this situation. And I'm not trying to cut anybody's prayers down. Please don't misunderstand me. If that's how you relate to the Lord and you love on God and God loves on you, that's fine. But I am trying to make a point that we ask for things that God has already given And it leaves us handicapped spiritually because we're waiting for something to happen. When God says it's already happened, you need to take it and be bold and enforce what I've given to you. You're not forcing God. You're not making God do anything. You're simply releasing what God has given you. When Jesus came, he restored. It says that he was the last Adam. He was the last Adam. And what he did in so many ways is he restored Everything back to how it was in the garden. I mean, things in the earth are still messed up. But I mean everything in terms of our relationship with God and everything that we have in terms of our relationship with God and the fullness of of heaven and all the benefits, all that stuff is restored back just like it was in the garden. And do you know that Adam and Eve were just like God? Man, I've had some people get really aggravated over this. But if you can understand, anytime somebody gets really mad at a particular doctrine, it's probably the devil behind them getting mad. Sorry, let me come behind the pulpit. Will. No, it's true. I found that. Sometimes you'll hear something and be like, huh. And you'll have people just rail on it. If people are railing on something, it's probably because the devil's trying to discredit the thing that Jesus did. 
And do you know that we are just like God? I've heard these clips of Kenneth Copeland that, that these, these goobers, we'll call them goobers, that they'll throw up there and, and they, they jazz it up and they put all, like, put devilly eyes on them and stuff like that. And he'll, and he'll go, you're just like God. And then they'll be like, Kenneth Copeland thinks that you can become a, your own God. And it's like, that is not what he's saying at all. He's saying that you have authority in this earth because you are made in the likeness and the image of him. So you have the ability because of God and because of the way that you were made. And even though the fall happened, Jesus restored everything back. And you have full authority to release all of the benefits of heaven into any and every situation. So yes, I'm just like God. I'm just like Jesus. Amen. That sounds like blasphemy to some people. How dare you say that? But you know why they called them Christians? It, it was not a, it, it got adopted as, oh, we're Christians. We're just like Christ. Actually, it was derogatory when it started. They said, you, you little Christs, you're running around acting just like him. Healing people, setting people free, delivering them from demons, making the Pharisees mad. How dare you, you Christians? That's where it started. So whenever people are saying, oh, you just think you're, oh, yes, yes. I love to upset spirits like that. Jesus, I've just got this little, it's a little, it's like a, it's like a good sadistic side to me. If I could say it like that, it's like, oh, they're getting upset. Yeah, I'm on the right track, baby. They don't like me acting like Jesus. I am acting like Jesus. It's just proving the point that acting like Jesus is the right thing to do. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons, preach the gospel. Believe for good stuff with, with people. Believe for the best in people. I actually heard a guy recently, and I was like, I can't even believe I'm hearing this right now. And he said, he said, Jesus, and he was talking about physical sickness. And he said, when Jesus was on the earth, he went and he walked beside those people who were in their troubles. And I wanted to stand up. And I, I was at a funeral, so I couldn't do it. But, and I wouldn't anyways. I would never disrupt somebody else's service like that. But on the inside, I was standing up and saying, read your Bible, man. <laughs> Jesus didn't go and say, oh, I'm so sorry that you don't feel good. I'm so sorry. He healed them. He released the power of God. And then he said, now you go and do just like what I did. Because you've got everything on the inside of you. you got the fullness of the Holy Ghost living on the inside of you. Now you go and do likewise. As a matter of fact, the works that I did, you're going to do the same stuff and you're going to even do greater works than this. Jesus really rubbed it in the, in the devil's, the, the religious demon's nose. <laughs> He said, not only are you going to do this stuff, hey, guys, they're going to do this stuff, and they're going to do even greater works than these. Just watch. They're really going to upset your apple cart. <laughs> Amen. If God is changing your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. If you would like to give or would like more information on how we are making a difference, visit ociperryville.com.